0: Before we get started here, I want to give you a kind of a family update where we are with, uh, with our Grace Impact Center. Um, we're on track to finish the, the soccer area in the back. Within the next, hopefully, next month or so. We've been moving forward all summer, working really hard uh, on finishing that, that up. It's exciting. We've got uh, pretty much the different teams lined up. We have three, uh, one school and two major soccer clubs that want to make that facility their hub. And so not only are we going to be using it all the time for church, but there won't, be, there won't be much time just having that building, sitting around doing nothing, which is great. I mean, it's not going to be a, a Sunday or a Wednesday facility. It's going to be a seven-day-a-week facility. We're going to have um, at least 1,000 people or so a week coming to our campus uh, to be using this facility as renting it. And we really want to build relationships and connect with those folks. So here, here's the bottom line. I've done all the horse trading I could possibly do. Um, you know, with the, the bay area, those those uh, those big bay, metal bay things that were in front, if you go down there now, there's a new concrete walkway, a new concrete pad, um, it's, it's finished off, we're going to be putting grass in there with where the trees are as well, we're going to be putting some brick uh, work around those trees, it'll look like the nicest, hopefully nicest part of the property. Um, but we were able to work out a deal with some of the people working on the property to to take that metal. Metal is very expensive right now, and those things weighed about 2,000 pounds apiece. And so we worked it out where they, we allowed them to take the metal, but then they gave us some of that work for free. I've done everything I could possibly do, and what we come down to this point, Um, We're ordering the turf field because if we don't order it, we're not going to be done by November the 1st. We have people who are willing to uh, match us. We talked about that matching in the very beginning. $20,000 left to match. We basically need to do that. We have enough for the turf field. We have enough for the nets. But I really don't want to put that down in in a not completely finished building. I want it to look not just okay. I want it to look really, really good. And I'm not talking about hanging anything expensive or doing anything expensive. I'm just talking about making it look really nice that when you go in there and your friends go in there and people walk in there, they look and say, wow, this is, this is great. And that's going to cost about $20,000 more. So what I'm saying this morning is... I've, I've, hit, I've used the buffer, uh, I've horse traded, I've done everything I could this summer to get over there and get volunteers and everything else. We've come down to we need $20,000 more to finish that section off. That means the entire front section is finished. The front section where you go in, the landscaping will all be done, main entrance is done, and that back section, which is gigantic, it's a soccer field, will be completely finished off, and we will have a blast using it um, for our, our children, our youth, men's and women's activities for like, we can just pick up games of soccer, basketball, you know, whatever, volleyball, we can use that facility all the time. But I stepped out in faith, um, believing you guys would back me up and we're going to order that turf. So um, I said this morning, I'll put up the first thousand of that uh, if anybody wants to match me because we have someone else matching a a total of $20,000 and we're done. We're, We're finished with that. Um, so just pray about that. I'm excited. Someone else came along last week on Friday and said that they're going to take responsibility for drywalling. You know how that t- the tarp that hangs down over the classrooms from behind here all the way around the entire deal, they're going to drywall it all the way to the ceiling and get it repainted so it looks really, really nice. They're even talking about doing some things in here as well with drywalling the back and this wall. So God is blessing us. People are here. They're excited. They want it. They want to make sure that this campus looks wonderful, fantastic, the landscaping that we want to do. Um, So God is truly blessing us. We just need to finish this one off. So people say to me all the time, tell us when we get down to it, tell us if you need. Well, there's where we are. Okay, don't leave me hanging. All right. Um, And if you want to give this morning, there are the offering boxes there and there. We don't pass the plate around. If you're new, don't even think about it. But if you've been coming for a while, dig deep, my brothers. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> got to get that little rag out. Hmm, come on now. Ah, come on, give that money. All right. You're here for the first time. You're like, yeah, talk about money. We're building a gym. Come on. You can play in it. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, and this, uh, one last thing. I said this already. I'm going to say it again. What's great about that facility is it's going to be used seven days a week. It's not like a church Sunday, Wednesday, and it's just this gigantic 40,000 square foot building sits around and, you know, and collects dust the rest of the time. It's going to be used all the time. Picture a thousand more people a week coming on this property and saying, oh, this is a church. I didn't know that. Think about it. All right. Starting a new series. Jesus helped me understand Jesus, help me understand. We're going to start off with Jesus, help me understand forgiveness. Three years ago, there was some fierce riots going on in Joss, Nigeria, where we have our missions facility. And when we were there, we met a man, a young man named Samuel, who we, uh, we connected with, and we were there in March. And he told us an amazing story, a story I will, I will never forget. He was trying to get home, and he was trying to avoid all the violence that was going on. He was kind of going around, but he he ran up against a group of Muslim men. He was a Christian, and they were Muslims, and uh, and the violence usually is between Muslim Christians, and he was trying to avoid it, and he was trying to get around, and he was stopped by a group of Muslim men, most of whom he knew. He knew them. Specifically, he knew one young man since childhood. And those two caught eyes as they're standing there and this bedlam going on and things of riots going on. And he caught eyes with this other young man. And before he, he knew it, that man had, that young man had a gun. And before he could react, before he could get out of the way, he was shot. And he's standing there and he's bleeding. And he said, I was bleeding and I was in terrible pain. And, and, and I was able to stagger off because of everything that was going on with, and all the confusion. He was able to stagger away and not get shot again. And so here he is. He's bleeding. He's in pain. He's overwhelmed. He is shot by someone he's known since childhood. Not a stranger, but by someone he knows. In Matthew chapter 18... Verses 21 through 35, Jesus tells us a story of forgiveness. It begins with Peter asking Jesus a question. He says, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Simple question. See, Peter wanted to know how much garbage he had to put up with before he could retaliate. You've got to love Peter. You know? He wanted to know, how much do I have to put up with here before I tell you? Uh, he wanted to know when he could stop, and he could tr- stop turning the other cheek and let this person have it. Remember, this is the same guy who, you know, cut off the ear of the person who's trying to uh, arrest Jesus, the guard who's trying to arrest Jesus. So I, I, as we stand here this morning, we sit here this morning, I think all of us would say, you know, yeah, I felt that way before. I felt, I've felt that way before. You take it, and 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 you you say, enough's enough. Enough's enough. When can I turn the other cheek? When can I retail? How long, Peter was basically asking, how long do I have to go before I can respond? How long do I have to go before I can? When is it okay? When is it okay to fight back? That was really his question. Now, Peter, being a bit um, impatient, as he was, um, I think a lot of us can relate to him, uh, impulsive, doesn't wait for Jesus to answer the question before he blurts out seven times, seven times. Now, you think, oh, Peter, but you know, honestly... Peter, Peter here, he's, it's not so, it's not so outrageous what he was saying. It's not really that it was out of place or unfair. You need to understand the rabbis at this time, they've said uh, that you needed to forgive a person three times before you could respond, before you could retaliate. So Peter thought, man, I, I've got my bases covered. I think I'm pretty safe. You know, he's not he's a he's a Jew. He understands. He says, you know, rabbis are teaching three. I'm a follower of Jesus. You know, I want to be a good follower of Jesus. I say seven times. And so he, he figured, hey, hey, I'm safe here. I'm safe. This is this is all good. I mean, let's be honest. And all of us sitting here today, if we're honest, I mean, two times is too much for us a lot of the time, right? Person does something to you, you're like, you know, you forgive him the first time, and just like, you know, Lord, I forgive him, but if you'd smite him for me, that would be just really good. You know what I'm saying? I'll forgive him, you smite him, you get back at him, you know. Two times for us in our culture would be asking a lot. Someone does something to you. You're gracious enough to offer them uh, the olive branch of forgiveness. But boy, oh boy, do it again. They do it twice and that we are done. So by human standards, what Peter was offering up here, it was, was pretty generous. It was pretty good. He wasn't trying to be offensive. He thought, honestly, he thought he was going the extra mile. See, Peter's mistake, though, In this context, we're dealing with Jesus, was that he was trying to put a legal limit on forgiveness. You know, give him the benefit of the doubt that he was putting a longer legal limit on it from three to seven. But his, his mistake when you're dealing with Jesus Christ is he was trying to put a legal limit on forgiveness. He wanted to really know what. Give me a number. I need a number here when I can finally say no more Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. Nice guy. Give me a, give me, give me a specific number. When, when Samuel got out of the hospital, he did something he probably shouldn't have done, if you think about. It, he, he kept the bullet that was lodged in his body. They gave him the bullet. He carried that bullet around as a reminder. And as, as he carried it around, he would get more and more angry. He'd get, he'd get angry. He was waiting for the time. He was contemplating the time where he could reuse that bullet on the man who shot him. I've got the bullet. He shot me, and he hit me, and I'm in terrible pain, and it's going to probably hurt for the rest of my life in different ways, and I'm scarred, but you know what? He didn't kill me. What's that saying you better shoot. You better kill what you shoot at, or whatever. If you're gonna shoot me, kill me, because I'm gonna get back. And that's so what he was thinking. He said, "If you're gonna shoot, you better kill." He said, "I'm gonna take this bullet, and I'm going to use it as revenge to get back." He would look. He, he 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 plotted and he planned, and he would he would he would look at that bullet, and he said, and he would. He would feel the pain as he was walking down the road. He would look He would look at that scar and he just became more and more angry. And he was going to kill the person who tried to kill him. You know, I don't think any of us can, well, maybe there are some here who can relate to literally knowing someone who shoots you. Now, you think, well, I, well the question that you might ask is, well, why didn't they just call the police or whatever else or... it it wouldn't it wouldn't do any good. The legal system would take forever. He doesn't have the money to do it. It's his word against the other person's word. No one else is going to be backing him up. And so basically he's left with no justice and he's shot and he knows the person who shot him. And he's saying, you missed. I'm not going to miss. I'm going to kill the person who tried to kill me. Jesus answers Peter's question in verse 22. He says, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times seven, and Peter's like, "Are you joking? <laughs> he says, wait, wait are, are you kidding me? Seventy times seven? He couldn't believe he couldn't believe what he was hearing. Seventy times seven is four hundred ninety times. I mean, that's ridiculous." And Jesus was saying to Peter, "There is no limit to forgiveness. There is no limit to forgiveness." I mean, some people actually take that and go 490. That guy's, that, that person in my family's done that at least 491 times. So now I'm going to, you know, what I mean, we try to even make that number legalistic, whatever else. What Jesus was saying and there is no limit to forgiveness. It's limitless. The way as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we're following in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ and following His example, He's saying there's no limit. Forgiveness has no limit. It's not a numbers issue. It's a heart issue. That's what He's telling Peter. We have the same issue as Peter. All of us. It's a heart issue. Whatever it is for you, if it's not forgiveness, something else. It comes down... God is more concerned about the attitude than He is the action. If he can deal with the attitude, you don't have the action. Jesus is more concerned about Peter's heart than he is his question. He wants to focus on Peter. You're asking the wrong question. It is a heart issue. You know, if you think about it, by the time you have forgiven someone that many times, you are in the habit of continual forgiveness. It has become a habit in your life. It has become a part of who you are. You don't think about it. Someone wrongs you. You are able. You understand biblically what it means to forgive. And you forgive that person. And you let it go. And you move on with your life. And I'm going to explain why that's so important as we go on here. The truth is unlimited forgiveness is a very difficult concept for us to grasp. So Jesus gave us this illustration to help us understand. In Matthew, chapter 18, verses 23 through 34, he says this. Therefore, the king of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he, made the set, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees. Before him be patient with me. He begged and I will pay back. I will pay back everything The servants master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go But when that servant went out, he found he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii which is basically uh, the talents here we're talking about a Gigantic amount of money that he could never have paid back a staggering amount but A hundred denarii like whatever, a pocket change, it's, it's, it's nothing. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell onto his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will, rep- I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called his servant in, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. See, it, it wasn't the fact that the servant wouldn't forgive the other servant's debt. I mean, if you owe the person money, you owe the person money. Pay it back. That wasn't really what upset the other servants who were watching this. It was the fact that this servant was so unforgiving of the other servant when he had just received so much mercy and grace himself. Jesus is trying to make a really strong point to us here. That's what was, that's what was outrageous, that they had received that he had received so much mercy for, for, the, for the mound of sin, in a sense. The mound that he owed and was forgiven, and then he turns around and will not forgive. That's the story Jesus told, but he didn't leave us to wonder about the application. It says in verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you learn to forgive your brother from your heart, from your heart. In other words, what's going to what happened to that man will happen to you unless you learn to forgive Unless you learn to forgive, the tormentors will come and they will destroy your life. Unless you learn to forgive your brother from the heart, your sister from the heart, unless you learn to forgive, the tormentors will come and they will destroy your life. And you say, what are you talking about with tormentors? The word that is, uh, that is uh, used, to, uh, tortured, can also be used for tormented. Tormented. And so, what are we talking about? Tormenting? What are we talking about here? Uh, I'm talking about the hidden tormentor of anger and bitterness and hatred. The hidden tormentor of anger and bitterness and, and hatred that give you, think about this, that give you ulcers, that give you high blood pressure, that cause tension headaches. That 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 creates stress that that has uh, creates illnesses different illnesses and sicknesses in your life that stress that keep build that uh, keeps building up and we know just what the doctors tell us that if we if we're stressed out inside it has a physical effect on our bodies it hurts us that kind of stress and so they're tormented their lives are in, in torment. The torment that makes you think about this, that makes you lie. And I'm not talking to people who don't understand what I'm saying here. It makes you lie in bed at night and, or, and, and makes you toss and turn as you think about what was done to you. And the frustration that you feel, it, it, it stays by your side all the time and it sucks the life out of you. It sucks the joy. It sucks the peace. It sucks the contentment right out of you, the tormentor of an unforgiving Bitter heart will follow you around day and night and torment you constantly if your heart, if you have an unforgiving heart. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't know it right now, you can just think back to whatever a few years ago when it was happening to you and understand exactly what it's talking about. That torment of an unforgiving heart, that relentlessness that keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. Samuel was in pain. But the pain that he was feeling wasn't just a physical pain. It was more than that. It was more significant than that. It was an internal pain that he carried around. It was He was being tormented. It was plaguing his life. He was thinking about it all the time. When he saw it, when he felt it, he would think about, how can I get back at this person? I can't wait for my time. But while he was constantly thinking about that, he wasn't moving forward in his life. His life was being eaten up. He was eaten up inside. You can't take medication to ease this kind of pain. It's something that is internal. It's in here and it's in here and it eats you up and there's nothing you can take to make it go away. It is a torment. It is a constant companion with you all the time that you never can let go. You can never let it go. And it's happening to some of you right now because you refuse to forgive. And you say, well, I'm going to continue to refuse to forgive because you don't understand a darn thing that goes on in my life. You're thinking to yourself. You have no idea what it's like to go through what I'm going through. You have no clue. You're a pastor standing there picking up your Bible and telling us all these niceties and things like that that we're supposed to do and everything else. I beg to differ. I understand exactly what people go through. My life was no cakewalk. My life's still not cakewalk. I deal with the same things that many of you deal with every single day. But listen to what I'm saying before you get all like defensive and hold back and not open your hearts. Listen to what I'm saying. I say this every time we talk about forgiveness because some people shut down. Okay, here's here's what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to be a doormat. Okay, I am not asking you to stay in a in a in a in 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 an abusive situation. God is not asking you to stay in an abusive situation. The Bible doesn't tell us to stay in abusive situations. It's okay to remove yourself if someone is harming you. I say remove yourself from the harm. But what I'm trying to explain to you is that you can, you can forgive someone and still set boundaries. You can do the same thing. You can do it at the same time. There are people in our lives that we have forgiven. them and I have forgiven. People that we have forgiven in the past who we do not allow to become a part of our lives because they're dangerous people. We can can set boundaries around the dangerous people, but still forgive them. That's what Jesus is saying. We need to forgive. He's not saying you need to be walked over and abused and just put up with it. You know what I'm saying? Gee, sir, can I have some more of your abuse? No, it's not what he's saying. He's saying, but you can set boundaries, but you need to forgive from your heart. You need to forgive. You need to let that go. I love this quote. Kathleen Ponder wrote, When you hold resentment toward another, you are bound to that person or condition by an emotional link that is stronger than steel. Amen to that. It's true. Forgiveness is the only way to dissolve that link and get free. Someone else is controlling your life when you have anger, bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. It's a bond that you have that with that person that is stronger than steel melted together. And we need to be set free. You know, we are often so much like that unforgiving servant. Here's G, one of, Jesus' main point here is that we go before God with our mountain of sin, with our, our, our sins stretching to the skies. And we go before God and God says, I forgive you of all your sin. My son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross. He took that upon himself. I forgive you for all of it. You are free. You owe me nothing. And so we receive that and say, Hallelujah! I Boy, if everybody knew what I did, I could, boy, if they showed the film of my life, I would not want to be in the room. Holy mackerel! And Jesus forgives me for God the Father, forgives me for all that sin through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! Praise God! Let's sing more praise songs about the forgiveness of God in our lives. And then we leave this place... And we see someone who's coming in from the other service or someone this time. I don't know. They came to second service. That person really hurt me and they ticked me off. And and all of a sudden we're thinking to ourselves, you know, how dare they? We start conjuring things up and we remember what they said or what they did. And we're all frustrated. And so God forgives us of of this mountain of sin. And then that person did something that hurt my feelings. And I'll tell you what, I will go to my grave holding on to it. not going to forgive them. How dare they harm me? Give me some denarii, man. I want it paid back. I want somehow, they need to pay me, they need to come to me and beg for my forgiveness. And then maybe, maybe I'll forgive them, blah, 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 blah. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's what Jesus is saying. No wonder we're so tormented. No wonder our lives aren't going the way we'd like them to go. No wonder our friendships are falling apart. No wonder we're having so much trouble, maybe physically or whatever else. No wonder things aren't working out the way we want them to work out. No wonder we're not getting along. We have never learned the secret of limitless forgiveness. Unlimited forgiveness. We haven't learned that. We don't understand it. And so our lives, our relationships, our friendships are all falling apart. And in reality, the tormentor is doing a really, really, really good job. The tormentor is doing a very, very good job. I love this quote. Write it down if you have a pen or you can get the, the CD afterwards. and But it's short, okay? It's short. Lewis B. Smedes wrote this, To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover the prisoner was you. Forgiveness is not all about the other person you're being eaten alive you're wasting your days your, your 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 weeks your months you've wasted years hanging on to this years you refuse because because obviously what that person did to you is so outrageous that they don't deserve your forgiveness because maybe they'll do it again maybe they will maybe they're going to do it again so I'm so ticked that I came this morning you're thinking to yourself to hear this sermon because I have no intention of doing that. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was you. Your hatred, your bitterness, your anger toward that other person towards that other person is killing you. You're the prisoner here. You're the one who needs to be set free god when he designed forgiveness god's pretty smart It's not just about forgiving the other person. The benefit of forgiveness really is on your part. It's for you It's for you It sets you free It allows you some of the best friendships I have are people who've wronged me who I've forgiven And we work through it and now there's a bond that can't be broken some of the best friendships I have is because I was willing to forgive and give that person a second chance or a third chance. And now there's a bond there. A bond of friendship that cannot be broken. Samuel's plan was to use the same bullet, that same bullet to get revenge on the person who had harmed him. But then something happened. While he was planning and plotting his revenge... While he was planning, the Holy Spirit was speaking. Jesus Christ began to speak to his heart. He began to let down, and Jesus began to speak to his heart. And the anger and the hatred became mercy and grace. God started doing something miraculous in his life. This guy, let's, let me let me go back to what happened here. Okay, just as you're thinking about the person who harmed you, this person shot him, tried to physically kill him. You know, when I preach, uh, uh, there's a question that comes, when I preach about forgiveness, there's a question that comes up all the time. And it's, you know, how is it, why is it some people, when they forgive, they can't forget? People bring up the forgiveness and forgetting. I can forgive, but I just can't forget. And we, we say it with Frustration. I can forgive the person, but I just cannot forget. Almost every one of us has an experience where we have tried with all of our hearts and we, to the best of our ability, we have forgiven the other person. We have. We went before God after a sermon or we read our Bible or the Holy Spirit was speaking to us and we say, this week, promise, this week, there were two or three people in my mind that I really hadn't hadn't thought about in a while. I thought, you know, I never really forgave those people because they came up when I'm doing this. You preach to yourself first, just so you know. You write it all out, then you start studying and you start preaching to yourself first. And I started rattling off some names. Not that I was like tearing up and bitter, but I thought, you know, I really never let that one go. I never forgave that person. And I started, I started, you know, doing doing that, forgiving people. But it's funny that it's it doesn't come that often. But you know, those thoughts keep coming back to my mind. Everyone has the experience where you forgive someone, or you you know, you try to forgive someone, but then those thoughts keep coming back. Those thoughts just keep, they keep entering into your mind. Angry thoughts still fill your mind. I'm going to read you something from, this is what we read a few weeks ago from Psalm 103, verses 10 through 13. It says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That's a great, great verse. God chooses, chooses to forgive our transgressions, chooses to forget. And God can do that. He can forgive and forget because he's God. They're out of his mind. He chooses to forget it. It's forgotten. So he went to the Lord and said, remember that time I would ever, God would say, no, because I forgot that. See, forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice that we make. It's not about our feelings. It's not about a mood that you're in. It's a choice that you make. Forgiveness doesn't mean, though, that we erase from our minds that event that took place. We're human. We're not God the Father. So we, have, we can't erase that, that, that which went on in our minds. Sometimes you we think, well, if I forgave, then I should forget. We can't forget. We can't forget about it. Forgiveness means, listen though, forgiveness ch- means we choose not. We choose not to recall it. We are choosing not to recall it. When it starts coming into our minds, we choose. We make a choice that we're not going to dwell and keep recalling this in our lives. This is really important. There is a, for us to understand, there is a huge difference between remembering something and dwelling on it. We can't help but to remember if someone harmed us. But there's a huge difference. We're becoming more like Christ when we remember it and we don't dwell on it. We don't allow ourselves to dwell on that. You know, I think, I think, I think we all remember people in the past who have really scarred us, who have hurt us deeply. Forgiveness, though, means that we choose not to dwell on that event in our lives. It it also means that we choose not to hold a grudge against the person who wronged us. We choose that. We choose to forgive, and we choose not to recall it, and we choose not to dwell on it, to make it a part of our lives. So in that sense, we forgive and forget. We're trying to follow in the footsteps of Christ by forgiving and forgetting. We choose, we choose to forget. It is common. It is a common thing for followers of Jesus Christ to forgive folks and then have those thoughts to keep, that, that keep coming back, be troubled by angry, angry thoughts, even after we've forgiven someone. That's just, that's common in Christianity. It's common among um, all of us. It's, it's just a part of our lives. Corey Tenboom tells a story. As I was, as I was studying, I, I read this story and I just, I just loved it. Corey Tenboom tells a story of, of some friends who publicly and maliciously humiliated her, wronged her. And she was angry. Oh, she was so angry. She was angry for, for weeks. And then she decided that she needed to forgive them because it was really harming her. And so she tried to forgive them. She forgave them. She said, Lord, I forgive them. And she forgave them. But then she says that she'd be in bed at night and she'd be tossing and turning. She'd wake up and she'd remember what they did and anger would just come back. She'd forgiven them, but this anger, these angry feelings, for for weeks after she'd forgiven them, she had these angry feelings and this frustration, and she was just being overwhelmed by it. The memory, it seemed that her memories wouldn't go away. And so she, being the person she was, she went to a, a Lutheran pastor, a friend, and she sat down with him, and she told him what was going on in her life. And she said that that the anger that she was dealing with and the frustration that she was dealing with was overwhelming her. And this is what he told her. And I want to read it to you so I make sure I get it right on target. He told her, Corey, up in the church tower is a bell, which is rung by pulling on a rope. When the sexton pulls the rope, the bell rings out. Ding dong, ding dong. When he stops pulling the rope, the sound slowly fades away. Forgiveness is like that when we forgive someone we take our hand off the rope But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time We mustn't be surprised if the old angry thoughts keep coming for a while They're just the sounds of the old bell slowing down You can't stop those thoughts from coming into your mind when you forgive someone, the bell is going to keep ringing. It's slowing down, though. Over, over time, God will continue to work in your heart. And those thoughts and the intensity, it slows down. So it's not surprising that for us, that after, after we've forgiven people, for a while, those memories just keep on coming. The key is we shouldn't, again, dwell on them. Because slowly, if we don't dwell on them, if we don't keep pulling the rope and giving it its day, slowly those memories will fade. The intensity will fade. Why? Because when you forgive someone, you let go of the rope. Remember we talked about a few weeks ago, take every thought captive Satan is going to plant the seed in your mind, no doubt. Remember that. Remember when he, remember when Pastor Jeff did this, remember when that person did this, remember, remember, he's going to plant the seed. But I have a choice as a believer in Jesus Christ, with Christ as my Savior and the Holy Spirit working in my life, not to have to dwell on those things. He can plant the seed. I can take those thoughts captive and give them to Christ. I don't have to recall. I don't have to dwell on. I don't have to run through the scenario again in my mind and be right back i was before i forgave and then he keeps planting those seeds and those thoughts in my mind i can choose i can choose to take those thoughts captive samuel chose to let go of the rope more important than that he chose to let go of the bullet he chose to let go of that bullet he 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 searched for that young man who shot him He searched and searched for the young man who shot him. And instead of giving back that bullet with a gun, he did something else that was totally amazing. He found him. And he walked up to him. And he said, do you remember me? And obviously the guy remembered him because they grew up together. Same area, just kind of different sides of the track, but same area. They grew up together. He said, do you remember me? And he said, yes. I remember you, you know, when you are not in the heat of what's going on with carrying on the riots and everything Start to get a little more clarity. Yeah, I remember you. He said you shot me And for a long time there was hatred and bitterness and anger in my heart But jesus has been speaking to me Jesus has been speaking to me He's been speaking to my heart about forgiveness. Jesus has been changing my heart. And here's what he said to him. He said, Jesus Christ has changed me and allowed me to forgive you. And I've come here today to say that because of Christ in my life, I forgive you for shooting me. And he reached out and took the man's hand and took the bullet out of his pocket and put it in that person's hand and gave him back the bullet. He let go of the bullet. He gave the bullet back a bullet that was going to be used for revenge to finally get this person back who shot him. He was going to get justice in a world of injustice. How dare they do that? He do that to me. I have the, it's, it's, it's my right to defend myself. He gave the bullet back. Bow your heads with me as we close here. I asked Jen to sing a song as we close out. And as she does, I want you to let go of that bullet. I know this is going to be hard. I, I, I know it is. I know it is. But I want you to let go of that bullet. I want you to let go of the rope that you've been pulling on and pulling on and pulling on. I want you to take the rope that you were given when you first came in this morning. I want you to take that rope. I want you to hold it. I want you to hold it tightly in your hand. Wrap your fist around the rope so you can feel. It. I want you to feel the rope in your hand. Hold it tightly. Now I want you to think about the person has, who has wronged you, and they wronged you. I'm not. We're not arguing about who's been wronged. I want you to. I want you to hold that rope in your hand and in a symbol of the person who wronged you. And I want you to squeeze it. I want you to squeeze it. Man, I don't I don't emotions are good. Let it let it out. If you if it, if it, if your heart is hurting and you feel like crying or whatever, you just I want you to squeeze that rope. All that all that anger and that bitterness and frustration. I want you to squeeze it. Think about the person who's wronged you. I want you to think of Jesus Christ. And all the things that we do to harm him, even if we, even though we, we know him as our Lord and Savior, he's forgiven us for so much. And now in a gesture of forgiveness, I want you to, I want you to begin, just begin to loosen your grip. Slowly begin to loosen your grip. Let it go. Just let go of the rope. Get to the point where your hand is just Open. You've opened your hand, and the rope is just in your hand. It's free in your hand. Let go of the rope. Listen to me. Holding on to hate is like drinking poison and hoping the other person's going to die. That's all it is. Jesus wants to set you free. The other person may not even care. He wants to set you free. He wants you to be like him. He wants the tormentors to be out of your life. Loosen your hand and hold that rope open in your hand. Let go of the bullet. Let go of the bullet. Let go of the rope. Allow the bells in your mind to become silent. As Jen sings, allow God to speak to your heart. And Father, we do want the chains to fall from our lives. We want to be set free. We ask, Lord God, that you would heal our hearts, heal our minds, set us free to be the people you've created us to be. No more wandering. No more limbo. We want to be used again. And this forgiveness that we are holding, this lack of forgiveness in our hearts, this, the anger, the bitterness... It's killing us. Set us free. Help us to let go of the rope. To let go of the bullet. To live lives worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your forgiveness. Pray that we would, with all of our hearts, try to follow in your footsteps. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we close out tonight, we'll be coming back at 7.30 for just an hour for a prayer time, a time of prayer, and everyone's welcome, and candle lighting. We'll stand up here by 42 and light our candles in remembrance of 9-11. It's an encouragement. I'm going to show you a video as we close.
1: Ten years ago was a different time. The economy was booming, 401Ks were solid. And if asked, 8 out of 10 Americans wouldn't be able to define the word jihad. On that day, 10 years ago, something happened that changed everything. 10 years ago was a Tuesday. For most of us, our only connection to the events of that day was what we saw on television. However, we are all connected and that we all have a place. For some of us, it's a spot on the highway. For others, it's in an office. Or at coffee with a friend. It's the place we will never forget. The place where we watched it happen 10 years ago. So here we are, 10 years later, still hurt, still angry, still trying to understand why. 1 Corinthians 13 explains that we don't see things clearly right now. In essence, We just won't be able to understand in this lifetime things like what happened ten years ago. However, it goes on to say that one day we will see all things clearly. But until that day comes, we have three things to embrace to help us in our reconciliation. Faith in God, unswerving hope, and love. And the greatest of the three... Is love. Through the shock and the horror, something else happened ten years ago. Although the evil intentions appeared to be a success, our country embraced the complete opposite of what was intended. Instead of division, there was unity. Instead of confusion, there was clarity. Instead of falling apart, We banded together. But then again, that's the way one nation under God will always respond.